Via Brooklyn Digital. Hey everyone, I'm Danielle Joy. And I'm Corey Hemp. And this is a podcast where we talk about all the crap still going on in the entertainment industry for female-identifying artists. And just a reminder that in this podcast, we use the term female-identifying. However, sometimes we do just say the word women, by which we mean it as inclusively as anyone who identifies as female. And we'll continue to do our best throughout this podcast series to use the proper terminology and educate ourselves as preferred syntax continues to evolve. And today, for our inaugural episode, we are going to explore a broad overview as to what it means to be female-identifying in the entertainment industry. And of course, we can only speak for ourselves, uh, but stay tuned in future episodes to hear new perspectives from potential guests. And a little bit about us as we kick off this podcast series. Danielle is an artistic associate here at Via Brooklyn. She goes by the pronoun she, her, and she considers herself a truly blessed individual who's fortunate enough to have acted in and produced many plays and films in both the U.S. and the U.K., sometimes even wearing both hats in the same project. She also loves crocheting and walking in the woods with her toy poodle, Chico. And Corey is a co-artistic director at Via Brooklyn and goes by the pronouns she, her. She has worked as an actor, producer, and writer, both in the United Kingdom and back in the States, and is a proud union member of AEA, SAG-AFTRA, and Equity UK. When she's not acting, writing, or producing, whew, Corey can be found playing with her Rescue Pups Biscuit and Crumpet. Yes, there's a bit of a theme. Traveling to obscure locations on her bucket list or diving for balls in center field of her softball team. And I hope you're feeling better soon. No Thank fun. you. So I'm very sorry. So to, to everyone on the podcast, I'm very sorry that I've had a stuffy nose. You know, we're just, we're just presenting like as is. Exactly. Uh, no makeup. All I did was change the clothes that I literally spilled lunch all over this morning. <laughs> that's, that's the extent. I was like, And you changed them right before we recorded, which has been like a few hours since lunch. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just was in the mall day and I was like, well, I guess I have falafel <laughs> sauce all over me all day. Amazing. I was like, I'll do it right before so that that fixes that problem. <laughs> that way, if you spill anything else on it. So Corey, why this podcast? Why now? I guess I just believe like talking about it is something that can help us perhaps make change more quickly, get other people on board, educate other people, educate ourselves. And so, yeah, I remember I just kind of brought it to you, Danielle. I was like, what if we just talked about this in front of a microphone instead of just us? (laughs) It's (laughs) It's like we were already doing it. We were already doing it. We were like, why don't we just hit record next time? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's really important. Like we're, we're amplifying the voices. We're amplifying the message of what's been going on. And our only real expertise is that we are women in the industry. So, you know, we're not psychologists or anything like that. So we can, we can discuss all this all we want, but it's mostly just our perspective and our, our yeah. opinions but we do want to bring in other guests who are experts in the field and, or even just their opinions and seeing what people's experiences have been. Yeah. yeah other experiences. Cause you know, I've been very fortunate not to, not to have experienced a lot of the things that I hear about, but some other people have experienced them and like, I'd love to hear from them and see what, like what we can do about it or how the situation played out or what could have been different and how do we stop it from happening in the future? 
the first thing that always comes to mind is the casting couch. And that's been, you know, a joke in the industry for eons, but it's, it's a real thing and it still happens. And how do we stop it? And, you know, topics like gender pay gap and uh, parody in, in film and TV and theater, all these things that we want to discuss in our podcast moving forward. I think it is important what you're saying that this is just the two of us talking in our own, our own perspectives and our own opinions. And there are obviously like a range of perspectives amongst female identifying artists and a range of experiences and opinions and everything. So um, that's why we want to bring other people in to hear from them as well. Um, But we're just trying to, I guess, provide our conversations we were having anyway to a broader audience to, you know, see if they connect with it as well. Um, And then hopefully kind of create more discussion and more community um, around these sort of issues. Cause it's just, it's just helpful to know, you know, you're not, you're not alone and you know, there's a bunch of people trying to fight for change. And I I'm all about like women supporting other women and building each other up. And I feel like, especially in this industry, there's a whole trope about like, Oh, I'd push so-and-so down the stairs if it meant that I got whatever opportunity. And, and, you know, all about Eve, somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think that it's about building up other women and knowing that you don't have to tear somebody else down for you to advance in your career and everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just going to be us having these discussions and bringing other people on and having these per- our perspectives, which, you know, are just from our own personal experience. And that's kind of all we're all we're bringing to the table here, but hopefully other people might find that helpful to, to join in on the discussion. And we're joining in on the conversation other people have started as well. So. Exactly. Yeah. And if people want to like, you know, um, just foster, we're just fostering a conversation that happens, you know, in, in comments, or if someone wants to reach out to us and like talk about it, or even talk on the podcast, like we'll have all that set up as well for the future. Um, oh, Cause yeah. we want to hear okay. from, we want to hear all different voices from loads of different people. So we're just, we're just opening the conversation and, you know, hitting on the topics that we've found and hopefully that resonates with our audience. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, cause we're in, in our small not-for-profit theater company, we're both in now, like we're the only two female identifying artists, which is why, why, I guess if you're saying, why are you doing this? It's like, well, we have these conversations and it's <laughs> the two of us in the company and you know, the, the other male identifying artists in our company are very supportive of us. Um, but yeah, I think that's just, just sort of how this came about, you know, we're just like, well, we've, we were doing it anyway and let's kind of keep, keep going, keep the conversation going. So the, the male yeah. identifying folks in the company want to be on this podcast. So <laughs> they, <laughs> they do. They're very excited about this. Yeah. I will say, which is nice. They're like, yeah. oh, that's such a good idea. You guys should do that. Cause you just sit here in meetings and do it. So <laughs> press record. And so, yeah, they're excited. And they're going to help us with some editing and sound effects yeah. and cool stuff like that. So they'll, they'll help with the behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, we should say, we should say we're not starting this podcast because we hate the male identifying people in our oh, company. No, 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 no. We're, starting it because, <laughs> we're starting it because we, we already had these conversations, but also the male identifying people at our company are very, very supportive of us. And they, they yeah. also want this message to get out, to get out into the world, but realize that it's not their place to step in unless invited. So <laughs> we're very fortunate exactly. to have them at our backs, but 
they're not exactly. here yet. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe one day. We'll see. Maybe we'll day. see where this goes. But for now, you just have Danielle and I. <laughs> so, not bad. Probably. Not too shabby. Not too, not too shabby. shabby. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just looking at kind of some of our things we wanted to chat about on this because we're kind of looking at a broad overview, kind of setting the scene for, you know, we're going to have different topics for each of the different episodes down the line, but just kind of wanted to, yeah, as we're talking about delve into what, what this is all about and what we're trying to accomplish here. One of the things that I know when, especially when we decided we wanted to start doing this is sort of that question of what does it mean to be female identifying in the industry? I don't know, Danielle, if you have anything you wanted to jump off with? Uh, uh, I know it's, it's, a, it's a big question. <laughs> I mean, the thing that always, that always stuck in my head. I mean, I started out acting really like fully trying my hand at acting when I was in my twenties and I just found, and living in New York, I like, I just found that I looked like every other woman that was at every other audition, like white five, five brown haired, 20 something girl, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, I didn't really think about it until later, but there's like this pressure to, to look a certain way, which is, which is so silly because like, it's the ones who stand out that get, you know, the attention a little bit more, but like, I always felt that there was like this pressure to look sort of preppy ish and you know like a good girl but you know like like I wouldn't I wouldn't push back on set but like I could still act you know something like that so for me my experience was very much like how do I outwardly look and was I skinny enough was the other thing like let's oof, oh, that's a whole that's other a whole, thing that's a whole other episode <laughs> oh it's a whole other episode <laughs> but yeah it's all this very physical appearance of like mm. I can't get a job unless I look a certain way which is so now that I'm in my thirties, I'm like, that's so silly. Like, why was I so concerned about this? Like, I look like me and nobody looks like me. And like, that's why I, that's what I bring to the table. But I think just like these pressures that, that women have in the industry that I'm not saying men don't have, but it's definitely very prevalent for, for women. Um, and I, and, you know, we're talking about lifting women up. I feel like a lot of other women that I have encountered in casting rooms don't want to do that. They want to tear you down. So they'll make snide comments or, you know, try and try and break down your confidence a little bit so that you're going into the casting room a little bit on edge or, you know, not your best. That's what it is to me. You know, I've only heard stories about, you know, other horrifying things that have happened, like, you know, casting couches or, um, you know, women being preyed upon, you know, being told that they'll get parts if they do certain things or, you know, uh, yeah, I've only heard about the horror stories. So I, I'm very fortunate, but that's another thing that happens to women in the industry. Yeah. 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 No, that's definitely something I think we'll delve into more deeply in terms of like the Me Too movement and how that's affected the industry and female yeah. artists in the industry in the last few years. Um, yeah, I speaking to the, you know, you walk into an audition, especially when they ask for something more specific, but those auditions were literally like, they've done it so specifically that there's about like 15 of you in the room uh, and you're like, this is disconcerting. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just like, 
um, which is, which is part of acting to an end. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of what the acting industry is looking for and especially has, and again, it's slowly starting to change, but, you know, very specific look in terms of weight and height and aesthetic and especially, and, and we're going to have people on hopefully who are much more qualified than me to speak about this, but about um, race and everything in the rooms, how a lot of it skews white and how that has plagued the industry and still does for so long. And so I think it especially hurts women of color um, in this industry and has for years and years and years. Definitely. Um, yeah. And in terms of um, the age thing, and that's, that's another, you know, again, of its own, own episode deserving topic. Um, yeah. Like I was very cognizant coming out of college at 21, 22, the, the status quo is that I had until 35 it was yeah. a hard wall. It was a hard wall. And I understood that there was a hard <laughs> wall as I approached that wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's although I've heard it's, it's, I am past that back, wall. Thank you very much. <laughs> moves back to 40. I've heard that it's moved back to 40 or 45 now with what, with Botox. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Whoever, whoever <laughs> the they is that makes these dumb things up. Um, but yeah, I, I was fascinated because I remember I have a lot of friends that aren't in the, who are very supportive of my career in the theater industry, but are not in the theater industry. And I just remember them being like, Oh, I'm so young. Like no one takes me seriously in my job. Like, you know, I'm not going to reach peak level careers. Like I'm in my mid forties. And I just think I felt a little different because I knew from the second I got out of college, like if you, if you hadn't quote unquote, made it that's a whole other conversation um, <laughs> yeah that like in your mid-20s and you weren't riding that through to your 30s or whatever that that's and especially for women like particularly for female identifying artists yeah that was a very real time pressure and always has been in my mind yeah but I don't think just in my mind I think in reality <laughs> too um, and we have some really interesting articles for other, for when we do our ageism topic about, you know, how uh, women who are kind of, and female identifying artists who are leaders in the industry, kind of talking about that and banding together to try and change that. But it is amazing. Yeah. You look at the statistics about how many roles there are in films and stuff for women after 40, and it just drops off, just like drops off the chart. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something that I've just always been, you know, as you talk about body image and then talking about age and there's just such a youth trap kind of associated yeah. with the industry that I guess it's because, well, I guess we talk about age later, but yeah. I'm just going to put this out there, but I guess it's because most of the consumers are in that 18 to 35 age range. They want to see the young CW type shows, you know? Well, I guess for some of it, but in the theater, you wouldn't like theater. Oh, in the theater. Yeah. 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 But you're right for, for film, especially, I'm sure this is even more so for film and TV. Oh, 100%. Uh, Yeah. When, when, you know, you have a close up right on your face. (laughs) And that again, Botox. Hollywood. Um. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's a very, very real thing. Can we get sponsored by Botox? I don't know. (laughs) Call us at at Botox. (laughs) 
We're looking to sponsorship. On, on Instagram, at the Brooklyn Duck, at the Brooklyn Co. on Instagram. Yeah. Still the podcast by Brooklyn Co. Get at us, Botox. Um, yeah, you know, I'm all, yeah. I'm all about it. Like whatever, whatever women want to do with their bodies, I'm all, I'm all for it. But it is funny how there's so much pressure to do things to your body to stay relevant in the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I don't think is as much. I mean, there, there is a body image issue for for male identifying artists as well mm-hmm. or people who don't perhaps conform to one gender that who might identify as like non-binary but but still it's just such a a youth because i feel like you know the, the stereotype is men can age gracefully into yeah into silver foxes or whatever the or quirky older men and that's a whole avenue for them that women uh female identifying artists don't have so. Well, we have a whole body image issue co- uh, episode yeah. coming up as well, so we'll yeah. tackle we and move delve on. into we that. Yeah, on. we'll delve into. Clearly, I could, I could... we'll just do the whole episode right now. <laughs> exactly. Like this is this is what happens on all of our calls is that we just like go from topic to topic. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, this reminds me of this. This reminds me of this. this I've got lots to say on the body image issue as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so sure. some of our other episodes that are coming up, we have body. We're going to talk about body image issues. We're going to talk about. Uh, underrepresented jobs for women, um, ageism, uh, getting your bread and butter jobs, creating your own work as a woman, and then of course the gender pay gap are all on the on the board for upcoming episodes. Um, if you have any ideas, if anyone has any ideas for other episodes, like please let us know. Drop us a line. We'd love to Absolutely. talk about all different topics. We're not interested in maintaining the status quo of what it is to be a female in the industry right now. Um, yeah. because it's not great. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, you said before, it's, yeah. you know, there, there's aren't roles for women. There's a gender pay gap. There's a body image issue. There's the me too movement. Um, one thing we didn't really touch upon is like safety. So in all of those things, like, do you feel safe being on these sets, being in the stage, um, because of all the different adversities, uh, one faces, and these different things. So do you feel safe around the people who are, you know, on the crew? Do you feel safe about people who are in the cast? Um, yeah. And, the, and just only recently the advent of like intimacy coordinators, like how has that never been a thing before? Yeah. Um, or in more perhaps literal disease safety, like COVID-19 coordinators, just all these things that I think are just finally starting to change for the better. Um and those things, yeah, those things help everyone on, on set, you know, oh, it's yeah. not just for women, but mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And yeah, just this idea of for so long, it was like, right. It's kind of built as a numbers game. Well, there's so many people that want to be in the theater, film, TV industry. Like don't you just shut up and, and take whatever it is. Um, yeah. I mean, but that's why, that's why for you however much they're going to pay you. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I I think it's so important that finally, instead of just saying like, oh, yeah, I I want, I don't want to, you know, upset anybody um, that people are trying to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) There are a bunch of things we have to change here. Um, And luckily with, well, I don't want to say luckily, but with the, with the Me Too movement, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the pandemic, I feel as though these things have gotten, 
you know, it's horrible why they came into existence, but it does feel as though progress has come out faster than perhaps if these kind of revolutions in a way didn't happen or these issues didn't happen or didn't come to the forefront, which is, a, you know, a large part of activist work, kind of people putting their foot down, being like, enough's enough. Yeah. Like, um, and yeah, I think the theater, film and TV industry is going through a huge reckoning right now. And I'm here for it. I think it's great. <laughs> like, Same, um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I don't, the company. Oh, sorry, sorry. You, uh, you go. I was going to say, I don't, I don't want anyone to have to go through any of that, you know? Yeah. It should all just be very easy. I mean, acting is already super hard to get the part, to do the job, to, you know, go through all those, all those emotions that you have to go through and make sure make sure the audience believes you. It's a very hard job. The long hours, the rehearsals, you shouldn't have to worry about whether or not you're getting paid enough or whether or not you feel safe on set. Yeah. Those, those should just be givens, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, no, no. I was just to that end of saying that, you know, it's the nice thing about creating your own work. That's a whole one of our, one of our episodes also, we're just pitching everything now, but um, it's trying <laughs> this to is mostly that. an overview. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's what we're here to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's about make, you know, it in our own tiny little not-for-profit corner of the world on, you know, we try and do one kind of main stage production um, a year and just trying to make those little changes that I didn't always see just being hired as an actor um, auditioning. And, you know, that's, that's the nice thing, like saying we want to work with people who are nice. You know, I don't buy into the diva complex. I don't buy into the I've earned the right to be an asshole. Nope. Don't buy it for a second. Like be a nice human being, be a collaborator, be an ensemble member. Things just work better that way. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like everyone's happier and safer and the work is going to grow as a result of that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's our own tiny, small corner. And we always have, you know, leaps and bounds to grow and educate ourselves, but that's something that, I don't know. It's so important to me and also producing, not just acting. Cause that's the thing, like as an actor, you, you can be creative within the confines of the role and the job. But I think the nice thing about, you know, um, you can speak is cause you've done a lot of producing as well on, on film and theater and stuff, but just trying to be, be the producer that you didn't have on other jobs perhaps. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really talk about that either. Um, we said, what does it mean to be female, female identifying in the industry? But we just talked about being actors in the industry. We're, we're producers as well. So yeah. what's it like to be a female producer in the industry? Um, yeah. what does that, what does that mean for you, Corey? I mean, you just talked a little bit about like how you want to see the change, but in terms of, you know, the, the challenges that, that you face as being a producer, a female producer yeah. in the industry, like, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, there's my kind of goals and vision and ideals, which are one thing. And and I, I do think as a company, we do a really good job of attracting people who want, want that work environment, um, you know, and that's been wonderful. But, you know, occasionally still over however many years I've really been producing now, probably since 2015 
what year is it? 2022. Yeah, I know, right? Oh my God. There's no time's not a thing after the pandemic. <laughs> I was like, I don't could be 2019, it could be 2024. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so I don't know, seven, eight years, something like that. And um, yeah, I there are times I have noticed. Um, because in the company, like Rafe, Ian, and I have kind of been around since uh it was founded in 2016. And there are times when people will direct questions and comments to the men. And it's very clear to me. Um, or if I have concerns, um, they'll be more ignored or passed over, or not taken as seriously. And there have been times I've had to go to them and be like, I need you to talk to so-and-so for me because they're not listening to me. They're not hearing me. And honestly, I think it's because I'm female identifying and they want to hear it from someone who's male identifying. I've had to have that conversation with Rafe and Ian. Um, yeah. Luckily, it's not specifying that, that they're specifying that Rafe and Ian are the ones that go to talk to the person, not the person you're having yeah. a problem with. <laughs> oh, was that not clear? Yeah, yeah. just making sure. Yeah, they're, they're like, our, have these our conversations fellow company with them. members. Like, no, no. <laughs> very supportive. Yeah, conversation with them to go have a conversation with the other people <laughs> who just don't want to hear it from me. Um, and that's yeah, that's kind of been a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, and all, all you can kind of do if you're in the middle of a pro, well, this means really bad, then you take care of it. But sometimes you just have to kind of get through and be like, well, guess we're not gonna work with them again if they can't respect me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it I'm is, a female it's... identifying artist. So that that's a problem I have definitely run into as a female producer in the industry. Yeah. And it's, it is funny because you just mentioned like, we're never going to work with those people again. It's like, they should think about it or like everyone should, one should be aware that if you treat people with respect, you'll get them another job. If you don't treat them with respect, you're not going to get another job. It has no, there's no bearings on whether or not you have a, a preference for a male or female identifying person that you want to talk to. It's like, this is a person you need to talk to. They're the one giving you the notes. They're the, they're the producer on the project. Yeah. You know, if you're not <laughs> nice to them, they're not going to hire you again. But right. yeah, I have also found that I just, you know, lots of times I don't get taken seriously, um, as a female identifying producer. Um, not so much with actors because like, you know, actors are, they're like, Oh, you're hiring me for a job. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but with, with crew members, definitely. So I've, I've had to deal with a bunch of crew members that think they know more, or maybe they've been around longer than I have and think they can do it a better way or, or they don't like the way I'm running things or something like that. And, had to have those difficult conversations of like, listen, if you have a different way of doing it, you need to tell me first or discuss it with me first. And then I will make the decision whether or not we can do it. Like, I don't want to crush their creativity, but like, if I've asked to have it done a certain way or something needs to get done or not done, or we need to cut a scene or something like that, like they need to be able to respect the producer's decision, whether or not that producer is, you know, female identifying or male identifying. I've had conversations where like I've had to pull in someone else and be like, listen, they don't listen to me. Yeah. You need to go talk to them. <laughs> um, it is amazing how that's, that's a thing sometimes. Yeah. And I know work relationships are different, but I, I just really do believe on the whole 
producers who are male identifying don't have that issue as much. I was just about to ask, like, do you think that happens to men? Like, I don't, or male identifying. I'm sure I'm it like, does, just sorry, from, like personality sorry. clashes and everything. But yeah. I, there, or maybe something else, maybe there's some other disagreement or something. But there are times it's just been very explicit, like working with Rafe and Ian, where the same person, right? So the variable is, <laughs> yeah, the variable <laughs> seems to be. <laughs> um, that's the main difference in why they would kind of listen to or respect or direct their attention towards whatever the phrase is. And and I guess what would you call these? Sometimes microaggressions, sort of a thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's on that level. Sometimes perhaps it's a little more egregious, but yeah. And I also wonder happens. if they realize they're doing it. You know, it's true, they might not. They might not, um, which is also another thing, which is like, how do they view or how does the public as a whole, like anyone you work with or anyone out there view women in general? So it's like, does that person just have this, this societal view of women, women that they're not supposed to be in power uh, positions of power? Um, yeah. Or that you don't listen to them as much because they're just supposed to be home, you know, making dinner and taking care of the kids. Uh, right. And that's what society is. definitely of... lots of people out there, you know, there are, it's not, yeah. I, I'd like to think that the film TV theater industry is more uh, progressive, but there, you know, you get a whole range of people in the industry. Yeah. So. But that's like what society like pushes that narrative. And even with mm-hmm. film and theater and t- television, like most women are depicted as, you know, stay at home moms or mothers or, you know, oh, yeah. even the Bechdel even, test is always the Bechdel fun. test. Yeah. yeah. But, but not even just the Bechdel yeah. test. It's like, because that, that, that just really has to do with them talking about men. Um, so it's in like a scene. two named, yeah. For people who don't know, it's two named female characters, female identifying characters have to have a conversation that doesn't mention a male identifying character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and it's almost impossible. Like it yeah, really it's is. It's very hard to find. It's hard to find, you know, when you're in drama school or sh- doing a show, yeah. it's hard to find scenes that pass that test. <laughs> yeah. But not even that. Cause like, cause like whatever men talk about women, women talk about men, you know um, it's more that like the way they're portrayed. So like, let's say, let's say those two women in the scene, they're more likely to be portrayed as a wife and a wife, right? Or like a wife and a girlfriend. Um, so then they're talking about maybe a wife with a kid and the girlfriend talking about kids. And they're talking about whatever. It's rarely ever like a CEO and a president, you know, like, mm, yeah, it's, they're, they're not even in like a, a position that most or like a doctor, you know, like it's, yeah traditionally and i do think yeah slowly changing but still when you look at the hard like there i believe um uh i'm not gonna remember the exact institute it's one of the film institutes or one of the colleges did a study and they actually run the scripts like the actual words through a machine and algorithm and it pops out you know what how many how many lines go to female characters and how many of them are speaking and all that. And, you know, there's studies and hard data on all this stuff about how women 
there's less roles for women. They don't speak as much. When they do speak, <laughs> it's often about men. Um, and then they're paid less for those roles. <laughs> it's just yeah. the whole, it's, I mean, just the statistics are damning. And Which out to be fair, if you have, if you have a smaller role, you might not get paid as much as the lead, but it's still not. But yeah, just in general, like, you know, yeah. you look at, um, but there've been some great male identifying artists who've been advocating who's, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is one. Yes. He's refused, yeah. I believe. Um, oh my God. What's the name? I don't, uh, who's the guy, uh, Bradley Cooper. He's another. Oh, is he? Okay, good. Yeah. He, he's definitely advocated. In tennis, okay, we're not talking about tennis, but Andy Murray is very yes. good. They always say, yeah. oh, what do you think of the best tennis player, da da da, da. And he's like, uh, you mean Serena Williams? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, forgot about her. And yeah. he's like, nope, she's the greatest tennis player of our lifetimes. It's not a man. <laughs> so it's, it's just yeah. really, you know, got to give got to give kudos and props where it's due, like, uh men male identifying people like lifting yeah. um, other people up it's it's what we want to see we want to yeah. encourage it and this podcast is not like all men you know like oh no. you know we're not we're not yeah. like that at all and we're not it's not even about like hating on men or anything like that or male identifying folks it's more about the female um perspective, perspective. of being in in the industry which yeah. and those specific challenges and everything. and those specific challenges exactly and you know like I said they can come from the pressures can come from women as well as men so yeah I mean there's definitely issues with unfortunately other female identifying artists as well like and you know we can talk more about that another time and um, we touched upon a little bit about this old school mentality of like the diva complex about um, tearing other female identifying artists down, you know, feeling like there's a limited amount of spots. So I have to throw them down the steps to get my yeah. due. So one of the things we wanted to do in the podcast was um, a little segment called spill hold here for our spill music. <laughs> um, so our spill section is uh, this is, this is a part of the show where we like to find something in the news and media that is relevant to what we're talking about on the topic of the day. Today, we've chosen an article from the New York Times from June 8th in 2022 called, Is It Finally Twilight for the Theater Sacred Monsters by Jesse Green? And this was this was an article. It um it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that's it. As, no, soon as, <laughs> as soon as it came out, I emailed it to Danielle. I was like, Danielle. We must. <laughs> we must. It's we perfect. Must discuss this. It's like literally what we wanted to talk about, which is like <clears throat> um, how a lot of the damaging things that happen on set from these acting coaches, from directors, from choreographers, is all stemmed from uh, acting coaches, choreographers, directors from ages ago ages and ages ago where, you know, women were treated terribly, um, what, like the 1800s or so, uh, with Stanislavski and, and it who else? thought about method. Acting yeah. And the issues with that and the teachers of that, the very prominent teachers. Uh, yeah. And how, America. and how, when they stopped teaching and other people adopted their methods that they kept going and they were like, Oh, I have to yell at you to, 
to break you down so that you feel the emotion of the scene, or I have to lock you in a closet so that you know fear, or I have to throw a chair at you to get your Can attention. you imagine this on any other job? <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. Can you imagine like an accountant's boss being like, I feel like you're not working fast enough. I will throw things at you so you get adrenaline so you or lock you in a lock you in a closet and you'll work fast and like I'll let you I'll let you out when you're done, you know, so you work faster so that you'll get it done quicker. Just wouldn't fly in any other industry. No. And you know, all that aside, these were all mostly men preying on women as well. So that was a whole other thing. So you know, they were adamant followers of casting couches real, like that's what everyone does. Like every director embeds his actresses and that's it. Yeah. So this article talks about it. And, um, and then and you and, can see how long that went on for through. Yeah. I mean, a, it's still happening. I was like, it's still real. happening, but you know, the peak of when it was just said, it was completely status quo to be like, that's just how it is. And if you don't like it, leave, um, yeah. you know, with Harvey Weinstein that until, the me too meant like re- really took over. It was just like, yeah, if you don't like it, you, you can get out because there's somebody behind you to step in. Um, exactly. Insane. It's like insane. hundreds and, of years. Yeah. And the, and the thing is like, well, you know, with the me too movement that that really took off because of social media, let's, let's be honest here. Right. Mm, like social yeah. media got the, got the word out and around as quickly as possible back then. There's no social media. Who are you going to go to? You were going to go to the cops who were probably male identifying. And they were like, eh, no, you're lying. We'll miss you. You're hysterical. Go, you know, to your fainting couch. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. you know, you're going to go to the newspaper and the newspapers and be like, hey, darling, like, no, <laughs> we're not printing yeah. that. That guy makes us tons of money, you know. Uh, yeah. We write, we write reviews on his the theater power. pieces. Yeah. yeah. People knew it was because they had so much power. They were just not willing or they had reciprocity. They were not willing to print something like that or prosecute someone like that yeah i think until they were literally forced to (laughs) exactly and so like thankfully i mean social media is it's you know ups and downs as well but like thankfully that really helped just spread the word a lot faster and that allowed people to join in on that conversation and lend their voices and be like oh my god that happened to you that happened to me too and hashtag me too and um it just really was able to uh, shine a light on it and mul- multiple things in the industry, you know, the Me Too movement, as well as other things as well, um, abuse, things like that. And it just shone a light on it. And and once it was in the spotlight, then everyone noticed and you couldn't ignore it anymore. So now, now people are looking into it and now people are, you know, not accepting what's happening behind closed doors or, you know, in the rehearsal room or anything like that. And a lot of people are speaking up now, which is, which is great. And obviously we still have a lot more to go, but, um, yeah. Just to, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you can say, and just to know about the me too, because it was actually, you know, it was actually started back in 2006, like before really the crux of Twitter, Instagram and everything by Tarana Burke. And it was to help sexual assault survivors. And so she came up with that. And then it's sort of, um, I think just in general to help all sexual assault survivors. And then I think 
because this is such a particular issue in Hollywood, Hollywood then in the late 2010s, like really clamped down onto it, but it had been around for, um, you know, over a decade by Trina Burke. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's again, like women building uh, upon women activists, um, a lot of whom are women activists of color who, who started these movements and, you know, they're the first voices and they're willing to put their necks out there. And um, other people then, you know, but over time, slowly, slowly build. But you can see how the power in numbers finally um, made some changes, like took down these idols in the industry. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, we talked about, you just said power as well, but the power of the voice. But we said the men in position, the male identifying folks in positions of power who preyed upon the women, female identifying mm-hmm. Um, and on the flip side of that, the women with power were able to amplify the Me Too movement. So they were using their power for good and to help other, other women as well. Um, and then I was going to say in the article, they do talk about Tita Rivera, which I thought was really interesting. So she was saying that, um, oh, who was she? Robbins? Was it Robbins? She was, uh. Um, defending one of the choreographers that she worked with who was horrible horrible to everyone and like was really mean to everyone she was like no he's great and like you know I'm just a vessel and and uh you know that's that's what that's what choreographers do like it's not my place to question it I'm just here to be a dancer and I'm just Mm -hmm. like some women think that way you know and I guess you can argue they're strong, but they shouldn't have to be. <laughs> right. Because I'm sure she would have done, to. I'm sure she would have been a great dancer without being berated every day of her life or, you know, every day on set. Yeah. Yeah. Just that status quo. of, And, and, and along with all that, I just want to take down the idea of the artist must suffer. <laughs> yeah. Like that whole thing about, which which goes along with method acting, which goes along with how we treat each other. And for so long about, oh, well, if you earn your way, you can treat people however. Um, mm. I just want to like destroy that. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's what they teach you in preschool. It's like the golden rule. Like I want people who work, you know, with our company, with us as producers, with us as actors to leave with a positive experience. Why would I want them? going away like a why would I want them to have a terrible time and b why would I want them going away being like that was awful like watch out for them Um, but think about the energy expenditure as well like if you think the only way you can get a performance out of someone is to yell at them and scream at them and throw things at them and like the energy you have to expend to do that wouldn't it just be easier not to (laughs) or if you're not getting the if you're not getting the performance you want out of them recast like you hired them you thought you you saw something in them you saw them do the part like yeah, maybe it's so not the right acting actor. methods that use substitution <laughs> you don't yeah need to actually yeah you know uh you locked it, in the closet <laughs> yeah it's it's literally called acting like yeah. this isn't called oh well if i'm really gonna be an abused woman in this scene then i need to be abused to under to 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 
achieve that part. It's like, that's, that's not acting then that's just real life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I don't understand. It's interesting because a lot of not just prominent directors, but a lot of drama schools used to go by this method as well. You know, the whole, used to call them sometimes trauma schools. Yeah. It's like, you know, we have to see who's the strongest and who, or we have to break you down and build you back up with our met, all these things. And you're just, you know, the amount of trauma and the amount of um, abuse that you know, sometimes is involved with training um, or, yeah. or, you know, in the professional world with being on, being on set, being in rehearsal room. Which yeah. is amazing to me. And it's yeah, crazy. all I can think is that people are people are scared because when when the attitude is, oh, there's another one behind you. I get, I get why people didn't speak up. You know, I think we're perhaps in a very different position now to even be making this podcast without feeling like, oh, we're gonna be blacklisted or something by talking about challenges and issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're absolutely triumphs right. and and celebrating and supporting female identifying artists work and yeah the peers I don't think we're that. we're knocking anyone in like anyone specifically no, that's no, not no, the no. point of this podcast it's not to, to <laughs> point this podcast the shit on certain people <laughs> exactly no it's not it's not to shit on people it's to uplift definitely there's a there was a lovely quote from it that I wanted to uh perhaps read let's see yeah go for it it was kind of what we were chatting about earlier about um how these certain movements and the pandemic and everything has kind of spurred the change in the industry. So at the very, I think it's towards the end of the article um, he writes, but maybe in the wake of the existential crisis of COVID-19, when the ingrained practices of decades ground to a sudden halt, we are finally approaching an inflection point. What's on the other side of that inflection is worth thinking about, including the potential benefits and costs of a fair theatrical future many people are working hard to create. as a future in which pay transparency and equity, humane treatment of workers, respectful training of all kinds of students, diversity in employment, as well as in product, are crucial parts of the picture. And I just kind of liked that summary of how it, the thing the pandemic did is literally stopped most or all in-person people started doing lots of digital stuff, but in-person um, art and how that finally allowed the space for people to kind of perhaps reflect and breathe and demand change. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of on the precipice of that opening back up for the last year and people getting back to the theater, back on set, back to doing commercials and just knowing that this is a chance, like an opportunity for issues to be addressed, for things to get better. Um, yeah, I find it very hopeful in that way. You know, I can see potential with that. Yeah, really same. Liked. Same. And, you know, when everything stopped, it did allow um, a lot of people who were creating their own work or have created their own work to be seen because people were so desperate to see content and they may have seen things that they had never seen before digitally, um, which now is, is leading to demand for those things to be done in person. 
um, the, I remember what I wanted to say about the article oh, as well. Yeah. Um, so it also talked about how these, these men in position of power who were basically stomping out any other voice and that's including female and persons of color. And, you know, um, they were stomping out all these other voices that led to us getting revivals of all these shows that we've seen a billion times before at what cost, like what other shows could we have seen? Mm, and like, I yes, this part. yeah. Yeah. And like, yes, you know, the shows that are like West side story was mentioned. Like, yes. West side story is great. We love West side story, but did we need to have another one on Broadway recently? Like, could there have been a space for another show or even a couple of shows? Let's say, you know, one didn't do too well or whatever. A couple of yeah, shows or that were new. new. Emerging. Yeah. Uh, that weren't a, a story that. Work by, yeah, by more female identifying artists, non-binary artists, artists of color, um, you know, differently abled artists, uh, all these things. But these shows are considered great. So they, everyone wants to do them. It's like, are they only great because we've stomped out all the other, we've stomped out all of the chances for any other work to be done. Like there's probably a great piece waiting right behind that doesn't get a chance to be shown because these, these giants of the industry are, are just there. Yeah, that's so it's a worth- super interesting topic that's brought up a lot in the industry now. Like what the quote unquote classics. Um, yeah. You know, why was, when we produce a piece, I always like to think like, why this piece? Why now? Why this play? Yeah. Why now? Why this film? Why now? Why this podcast? Why now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like if you don't have a good answer for that, then you don't need to put up <laughs> the yeah. piece of work. You know what I mean? And and I'm not saying like I think you can have all different types of art. I think art can entertain. I think art can educate. I think art um, can have like a philosophical connection. It can do all. It can be spiritual in a way. All these different things. Like I'm not saying like art's only one thing or it only serves one purpose. But you have to when you're talking about in this context, you look at, yeah, these big giant classics, which just get done over and over again. Um, what are we missing out? That's a great question that yeah. um, this author brings up. What are we missing out by doing this for the, you know, 10th time on off Broadway, on Broadway, etc. cetera. Yeah. The Theater Sacred Monsters by Jesse Green. Um, definitely check it out if you haven't read it yet. New York Times sponsor us so we can give our listeners some deals. Yeah, Botox, <laughs> New York Times. We can. This is our audience, apparently. <laughs> okay, so that was uh, a little section of our podcast we like to call Spill. Uh, it is where we talk about articles or TikToks or anything that's current events that relates to the topic that we were talking about in the podcast for the day. Uh, as we are doing an overview discussion today for our first episode, we did a bit more of a, an overview article that we found in the New York Times, which was really good. Yeah. And that is, Is It Finally Twilight for the Theater's Sacred Monsters by Jesse Green of the New York Times on June 8th, 2022. Uh, so yeah, good intro discussion point for still the podcast moving forward and yeah. just the overall kind of I'd say monsters in the American theater for specifically female identifying artists is what we're going to be chatting about. And, you know, what progress has already been made, you know, in battling these kind of demons and what is the work that we feel is left to do. And yeah, 
I mean, Obviously, so much progress yeah. has been made. Yeah, it's true. There's it's also true. so much work There's to do. There's <laughs> already, yeah, always, always so much more to do for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it'll be, you know, from the basis of just our perspectives, which is obviously just the two of us. Um, you know, we don't speak for the whole company. We don't speak for all female identifying artists. We don't speak <sighs> for the whole group. But you know, just we have us to say that seven, seventeen more times, and then yeah, about seventeen more times. <laughs> all that, all the time. Our our own opinions. Um, you know, our legal told us we had to say this. You know, <laughs> we we spoke with legal. Um, and um, but yeah, and then guests to get a more uh, wide variety of experiences and opinions and thoughts. So we're super excited to bring people on in the future. But yeah, I just want to give you a little bit about you know, where we're coming from and why we wanted to go ahead and do this. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been episode one in season one of Still, the podcast of Via Brooklyn Digital Production. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Still the Podcast for updates on new episodes and continued discussions. Still the Podcast is produced by Danielle Joy and Corey Hunt. Original music and editing by Rafe Terizzi. Until next time. What does it mean to have an iron will against society status quo? Three playwrights dive into this very question as Via Brooklyn presents an audio drama series of three stories that navigate the horrors of brash industrialization, unchecked consumerism, and intergenerational trauma. The protagonists rage against the monsters of society, but is society itself too strong to break? If you love all things thriller and horror stories, be sure to check out our other Via Brooklyn digital production, The Iron Anthology, available on all major podcasting platforms. If you've ever wondered what your coworkers really do, if you've nodded along while a friend talked about work, but you can't remember what they do, if you rolled your eyes when your family incorrectly described your job for the 15th time, then check out, no, but really, what do you do? This new series aims to go beyond the job description to understand what people actually do at their jobs all day. Be a fly on the wall for these informational interviews with host Blake Hannay and a new guest each week, where she gets to learn about the responsibilities of the role, key skills used in it, their career path, challenges, successes, and so much more. Whether you're just getting started in your career, considering a job change, or just curious what everyone else is doing at work all day, join every Monday for a new episode of Asking, No, But really, what do you do? Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. And be sure to follow on Instagram at NoButReallyPod. Via Brooklyn Digital.